The following sermon is for Sunday the 11th of April 2021 and addresses the reading of the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. It's already a week since we came together to hear the wonderful story of that first Easter morning. We heard that Mary Magdalene had discovered the stone rolled away and the tomb was empty. That Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, raced to the tomb on hearing the news, also to find it empty. And we rejoiced with Mary when Jesus called her name, turning her mourning into laughter and excitement. So much, in fact, that Jesus had to tell her to let go of him. We also heard that she once again went off to find the disciples, to tell them, I have seen the Lord. So as the story resumes, we've reached the evening of that momentous Sunday, Easter Sunday. Now the four Gospels all have different versions about what happened next, and only Luke and John relate of the story of Jesus appearing to the disciples in a locked room. The reading says that the doors were locked for fear of the Jews, but that hadn't stopped Mary from going to the tomb, and it certainly didn't stop Peter and the other disciple rushing to the tomb when they heard the news. Surely if they were out to catch the disciples, this would have been the first place the Jews would have looked. And in fact, according to Matthew, the authorities had already put a guard on the tomb specifically to prevent the disciples from taking the body and claiming that Jesus had been resurrected. However, it's now later in the day, and despite Mary having come back to tell them that she's seen and talked to Jesus, the disciples still remain locked in the room. Now, one might be tempted to ask why. Why didn't they all go out looking for Jesus? Well, I suppose one could be charitable and suggest that most of them would still have been in shock. And after, a few, after all, only a few had actually been out to see the empty tomb. So there must have been a great deal of confusion and disbelief about the stories they were hearing from the inner circle of Jesus' disciples. In fact, Luke later suggests that even when Jesus had appeared to them, in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering which we would probably be, uh, we probably accept as a reasonable reaction to something of this magnitude. But perhaps there is another reason for being afraid, for not going out. Maybe they were simply afraid of seeing Jesus, or worse still, that Jesus may see them. If we cast our minds back to the events of Thursday, Mark tells us that all of them deserted him and fled. And only a few days earlier when Jesus, despite being reminded about the threat of stoning, declared that he was going back to Judea. The disciples all sided with Thomas when he said, let us also go that we may die with him. And of course, it was only three days earlier that Peter, during the Last Supper, had declared, Lord, I'll lay down my life for you. And then scoffed, disbelievingly when Jesus told him that he'd actually deny Jesus three times before the cock crowed. And what happened? Matthew and Mark basically describe the disciples as running away in fear when Jesus is taken. They all abandoned him and deserted him, leaving him to die alone. And maybe that's why they were so frightened, despite all the brave talk when push came to shove, they'd run away, let him down and pretended they didn't know him. 
Is this the real reason they didn't rush out to find Jesus when Mary told them he was alive? Were they frightened at what Jesus would say or do to them for deserting him? And were they actually hiding from him? And of course, in their despair, there would also be shame. Shame at deserting him, shame at denying they knew him, and shame that despite all of his teaching, they still did not know what to do. And then Jesus appeared to them in the room, and his first words were, Peace be with you. Words of forgiveness and reconciliation. Jesus doesn't berate his disciples for their action, for their fear, for their disbelief. He tells them, well no, he gives them the experience of forgiveness. Genuine forgiveness comes from the heart, not the mouth. And is as important to the injured party as the offender. In fact, accepting that one is truly forgiven is almost as difficult as forgiving someone. There will be few defining moments in our lives when we will genuinely understand and appreciate the power and the impact of heartfelt forgiveness. And that is normally when we are on the receiving end of forgiveness. And so the disciples rejoiced. Not just at Jesus' return, although this was miracle enough in itself, but at their forgiveness, their acceptance back into the fold, the knowledge that despite everything, Jesus still loved them. Their relief at being able to throw off their guilt and shame must have been almost tangible. But of course Jesus wasn't finished. He breathed the Holy Spirit on them and gave them the Great Commission. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Well, they say there's no such thing as a free lunch. And Jesus, having given them the experience, the assurance of forgiveness, and telling them to get out there, then gives them the power to extend his forgiveness into the world. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So spread the good news of Christ's resurrection and demonstrate true forgiveness to those who genuinely repent. But not to everybody, which may seem a bit strange. But if you, if you remember, Jesus has said things like this before, loosely quoting Isaiah, Ezekiel and Psalm 115. Seeing, they do not perceive. Hearing, they do not listen. It's from Matthew 13. Jesus is only too aware that some will turn away. So he is tasking the disciples to offer forgiveness to everyone, but only give it to those who respond to the message of divine acceptance. And of course, unless the message is put out there that God is love and love means forgiveness, no one's going to know. People suffer despair, guilt, shame and evil. They'll never know that there's forgiveness and acceptance waiting for them. Now these days many people go to therapists and counselling to understand their lives, but above all to seek acceptance and forgiveness for the way they feel. And don't get me wrong, therapists and counsellors do a great job. But here Jesus is tasking the disciples to get out there and take the initiative. He's, he's basically saying, I've forgiven you for abandoning me to death, for failing to believe, and for getting locked up in fear. Now go out, reach out to the people and start forgiving them in my name. Because unless you tell them that they can be forgiven and show them that they are forgiven, 
they will remain locked behind the doors in their mind, never able to go forward. Well, it doesn't take much working out to realise that Jesus wasn't just addressing his disciples. He was defining not only the ministry of the church, but tasking all of us as well. But we can't just take that instruction and get on with it. We need to see if we're ready. Like the disciples, how many of us have been stuck in that locked room? How many have experienced times of doubt and uncertainty about our lives, our faith, and the indecision, confusion and despair of waiting on a God whom you're not sure you believe in anymore? But if we allow ourselves to unlock the door, God's understanding, God's forgiveness and acceptance is there for us as well. God's love is not exclusive, but inclusive. And if we can just open our hearts and minds to this saving grace, we will receive all the hope, inspiration, acceptance and love we ever desire or need. And finally, let's just clear up one lingering issue from today's reading. Any of us who have spent time in that locked state has no right to cast doubt on Thomas. Plain speaking, Thomas, maybe. I mean, let's not forget, he was the one who told Jesus. He didn't know what he was talking about when Jesus said he was going away to a place they couldn't follow. He was the one who volunteered the disciples to go on to Jerusalem with Jesus, even though he feared the worst. Thomas was the loyal one, and he still retained enough faith, or maybe just hope, not to walk away, not to give up, but to simply ask for some clarity of what the others claimed to have witnessed. So why might you ask, were they all still there a week later? Well, because Thomas was the lost sheep that they were trying to recover and was worth the effort. The disciples were living the instruction that Jesus had given them to give acceptance and forgiveness. And in this case, it was helping Thomas believe in the resurrection and that he was forgiven for deserting Christ. And it worked. Thomas went on to found the church in India where he was eventually martyred for his faith. Doubting Thomas? I don't think so. No more than any of us. Amen. <laughs>